update at noon with Sakina Kamwendo, midday to 1 p.m. Update at noon with Sakina Kamwendo. So let me first start by establishing how difficult is it, given all of our challenges, the power situation with ESCO, um, given what we are seeing with industrial action all the time. I mean, as I was coming in this morning, uh, we already saw buses coming in with people protesting. Then you have those situations and just generally against a very depressed economic backdrop. How difficult is it for you to sell South Africa? One of the panelists said it very well, the narrative. Um, on this three-year, actually four-year journey now, I can tell you South Africa has got far more pros then it actually has cons. And what you are framing, unfortunately, are some of our realities, but we're not the only country in the world that is faced with industrial action. We're not the only country in the world that has low economic growth. Admittedly, ours has lasted much longer. Um, it hasn't helped our growing population. It hasn't helped to absorb people into the labor market. But certainly what has made this job not only easier, but such a privilege is even for me to learn more about the South African story. You know, when we look at South Africa, I think as citizens, we're always, um, I think, so focused on the things that we are not seeing and experiencing that at times we forget as to how the world and investors that continue to invest, as you've mentioned, 774 billion rand over the last four years into this economy. And we must ask them ourselves, what is it that they see? So when we're out there in the world and we look at the world through their eyes, and what is it that they see? They see the most diversified economy in the continent, one of the most globally sound and established financial markets and services countries in the world. We rank amongst the best. They see a country that has used COVID as an opportunity to evolve. The president today spoke about the 10 billion rand investment which was a commitment by Pfizer, the UK, France, to actually manufacture vaccines in South Africa alongside Biovac, which has been in operation since 2003. And just to show the impetus of this collaboration, Biovac today announced a 2.3 billion rand investment. Then there's the story of um, Aspen Farmcare, which has brought vaccines to us as South Africa and to the rest of the continent. So when they talk about Aspen being able to manufacture 300 million vaccines for the continent, I must say it does show that we have the skills, we have the infrastructure, we have the financial capability, and also through the president, we've demonstrated leadership at a time so defining to man. I don't think you and I in our lifetime would have thought we're dealing with the, would deal with a pandemic of this magnitude, of this scale, over this period of time. But when I look at our country as an investor and as a person in business, what is it that I love and highlight about South Africa? Our infrastructure is second to none. Yes, we don't see the port being as efficient as we'd like to see. There's a lot of remedial action that is underway. If I look at South Africa's road network, it is second to none and rivals any established country in the world. 
if I look at the traffic that is coming through our ports, despite them being subpar in performance, we are one of the 10th busiest ports in the world. If I look at the type of investment that South African ports have, they make South African ports the logical choice when you're looking to bring in goods through this wonderful continent. So there is a lot of complexity, there's a lot of history and legacy that we must deal with. And I mean, the one that you have stated correctly is one thing that keeps everyone awake. How do we ensure that these investments don't only end up in Santon? You know, these investments go to the heart of where the South Africans stay. These investments go to Emlazi in KZN, Soweto. They go to my mother's village in Katkop in the Eastern Cape. And that is then our challenge in that it is fundamental that national government provides a regulatory and policy environment that enables investment, that shores up investor confidence, and that actually unleashes the potential of South Africans and the South African mind. But it is imperative that those who serve the districts, those who are part of the local government structure, are equally aware of their responsibilities because ultimately, as you were saying, you have witnessed the opening of these factories. All these factories require collaboration with the local government for them to move from being a pledge from being a bankable concept to actually being boots on the ground that empowers, upskills, and actually employs locals as well as other professionals and skilled people from around South Africa. Mm. And, and you know what's about how do, how do <coughs> all these ideals from the top cascade to the bottom? Because you speak about our infrastructure that is world class. It is not world-class in our municipalities. This is why Clover packs up and leaves the Northwest province. This is why you have um, Astral taking the Liqua municipality to court to compel the municipality to deliver services so that the business can run. So how do you ensure that what is seen at the top actually uh, translates to the bottom as well? So what you have cited are not infrastructure issues. These are service delivery failings. So the local municipality, which is charged with ensuring that there is water, the municipality is functional, has in these instances, and there are many others, regrettably, failed the system. And it's not just failing business, because as you correctly point out, both of these companies have moved their operations to other parts of South Africa, which shows that there are parts of South Africa that are functional. However, it highlights the urgent need for intervention to shore up and to provide skills, but also focus. And I think the word must be said, you know, we need to see a much more progressive local municipal government that is worried less about corruption and gain and more about service delivery and delivering to the people so that they can attract those companies not only to come and invest for a period of five years but to invest to bring in other companies that will support their services and ultimately create a sustainable and vibrant local economy.
So to those instances that you have cited, and there are a few, as I've mm. said, regrettably, what is urgent is the capacitation of those people, of those localities. And I think what was very defining is one of the changes that we have seen is the appointment of municipal managers, mayors, and CFOs. These must now be vetted. They must have the correct credentials because what has become evident and clear with time is a lot of the underperformance and lack of service delivery over and above malfeasance and corruption has been a function of low levels of skill and high levels of incompetence. So um, I'm actually just looking for something. I was reading something earlier um, uh, uh, that the Auditor General had actually stated about what is wrong, what is happening in our municipalities. And that defines the problem because after the local government elections, what you have is 70% of the councillors are new. So you would see that as an opportunity to do something differently. 70% is uh, quite an astounding number of new councillors. It's going to take time for them to obviously um, uh, come up to speed with what needs to be done. Uh, but how do we prevent them from falling into the same trap? Um, you know, and, and, and this is what uh, the Auditor General uh, had to say. The Auditor General noted that uh, the only thing that can save local government from the abyss is not more policies or politics, but ethical and accountable leadership. How do we ensure that? Well, firstly, as a society and as voters, we are the ones that actually elect those representatives. And as a civil society, you know, the president spoke of a vibrant civil society. One thing about South, Af South Africans is they don't take that democratic dividend lightly. So we've got to vote on our feet. We've got to hold public servants and people in all spheres of government and even beyond government, even in spheres of business, accountable. Because without an ethical and accountable society, across, it doesn't matter whether it's public, private, across society itself, it doesn't matter how great our policies are, it will be the road to nowhere. Absolutely. Ms. Langeni, confident uh, that the uh, 1.2 uh, trillion rand target of investment will be reached by end of year five? Well, Sakina, you know, when it all started out, 1.2 trillion seemed very audacious, but I must say very doable. Um, we'd come from a low base. We had lost a lot of investment attractiveness in South Africa. But for the reasons I've already mentioned, there was always going to be pent-up demand. And as the president was reciting and sharing the numbers, which were also shown on screen, we are two-thirds of the way. Granted, to the point that you have made, not all of those projects are boots on the ground. A few of them have been put on hold for various reasons. But having listened to some of the pledges um, and also some of the financial commitment which was made by the African Development Bank to underpin investment in infrastructure in the private sector in this country, I genuinely believe, and I mean without having kept a score sheet today, we should easily reach a tally of about 150 to 200 billion rand. Now, if we as the private sector, working with government, collaborating, can unleash this 42 billion rand. It could add an extra 42, if not more, into the South African economy. 
because as we know and as you have sh surely seen you know I can say I'm building a factory but my building a factory means construction it means people it means consumption it means an industry that wasn't there coming alive it means the skilling of the people in that locality so I am more than positive that we will reach our target I have to say you know the president has been the ultimate salesman in ensuring focus but also in being very balanced in telling the South African story in being honest in speaking to the challenges that we have had and that we continue to have but also in being very forward-looking and saying this is what needs to be addressed but was when walking the journey we need money to support all of these aspirations. Final question, the crime situation in South Africa. And now we see the rise of vigilantism as well, where it seems anybody can just walk into any business and demand whatever it is that they are on to that particular day. Surely that isn't a good uh, you know, picture for South Africa. Sakina, the same way that a vibrant democracy, independent judiciary, a progressive and capable state are fundamentals to a thriving economy and a society. Lawlessness, lack of law and order are the things that actually undo a society. So it is paramount and I'm sure there's already a lot being done to address all of these issues. It is absolutely unacceptable that any member of society can believe that they are now the custodian of law and order when we already have dedicated serve, I mean dedicated departments who are charged and I do hope as the president had said in his state of the nation that 20 12,000 new police will be recruited what we need to see in South Africa for all of us and for all of us to feel safer are boots on the ground you know people in blue being visible knowing that the prosecution of people is something that is not elective it is something that happens. You know, justice is only served when it is seen and when it is felt. Ms. Langeni, thanks so much for your time and for stopping by. Um, Ms. Pumzile Langeni, and she is, of course, one of the envoys appointed by uh, President Cyril Ramaphosa in 2018 to go and sell this country to the world and make sure that investment comes to South Africa. Update at noon with Sakina Kamwendo, midday to 1 p.m. Update at noon with Sakina Kamwendo.